0: Morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you very much for giving me uh, the opportunity to come and share um, God's word with you this morning. Now, I was thinking this week and it has been a bit over 2 years that I have been in Lismore now. And the time has gone very, very quickly. And the entire time that I have been I'm in Lismore, this church has supported me financially and has supported me uh, with their prayers. And for that, I would like to um, express my sincere um, appreciation. You know, it's been a wonderful a blessing and a great encouragement to me personally to be supported by the church that's, that I grew up in, the church that I was um, trained in. Uh, the Lord has, has really blessed and provided for Emma and myself financially. And I'm pleased to inform you that we are in a position now that we are supported sufficiently and that we are no longer require the financial assistance from here. And that, that is a great blessing um, for us personally. So I'd like to take you know, this last opportunity to once again um, thank you so much um, for your financial support. It has been a real blessing. It's been a great help um, to me. And I would ask that, you please continue to pray for us as we um, strive to serve the Lord in Lismore. If you know anything about Lismore, it's a very dark place and it really needs the gospel. Uh, the book that I've been preaching through on Sundays is the book of Philippians and it's from here where I wish to speak to you uh, this morning. Uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2 and our text will be from verse 25 Uh, down to verse 30. If I knew my brother-in-law was on scripture reading, I might have preached from a different text this morning, got a whole one for him. Uh, But nevertheless, this is our text um, for this morning, and the title for the sermon this morning is All In For Christ. So let's um, pray and ask for God's help. Father, I do thank you for this wonderful day that you have given to us. I do thank you, Father, that we can come and worship you I do thank you that we can do this free of persecution in this country. Father, I do thank you for your word. I do thank you that we have the inspired, inerrant, infallible word before us in our own language. Father, I do thank you so much for that. I thank you that your word is truth, that your word is relevant. And I do thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have given uh, to us to illuminate the word so we can understand it, so we can apply the word. And I do pray this morning that the holy spirit would do these works this morning father i pray that our hearts would be soft this morning and that we would be willing to listen to the message that you have for us and more important willing uh, to apply uh, what it is you have for our hearts this morning i do ask this now in jesus name and for his sake amen i don't know about you but when you read and study the scriptures and consider some of the giants of the faith, say like David, Moses, Abraham, Daniel, or Paul, do you ever feel somewhat intimidated? And think to yourself, I can never be like these guys. I'm just an ordinary person living an ordinary life. And perhaps we struggle somewhat to relate and then to learn from the examples of these spiritual giants. Because we think to ourselves, hey, I am never going like them. They are the star players in A grade and I'm struggling to make the bench in D grade. I'm not David. I'm not Paul. Have you ever had those thoughts? Now these particular thoughts are not necessarily correct. But nevertheless, it's very easy to think like this, isn't it? It can be challenging to relate to their examples. They can seem somewhat unattainable but before us this morning is the example of a man who would not be regarded as a spiritual giant in fact we know very little about this man identified as Epaphroditus but it seems that he was not a famous preacher or teacher he doesn't seem to possess any great talents or abilities he's just an ordinary man Sacrificially serving Christ in the local church. No fame, no prominence, just faithfulness. As before mentioned, we know very little about Epaphroditus. We do know that his name means lovely or charming. And he was named after the pagan goddess of love, Epaphrodite. This man is not to be confused with Epaphras, who we learn of in the book of Colossians. They are different men and apart from the text before us Epaphroditus is only mentioned in one other place in Scripture and that is in Philippians chapter 4 verse 18 and the verses before us the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit gives to us in verse 25 a fivefold description revealing the character of this man and when this description is studied and understood it paints to us a picture of a faithful servant of christ one who was sacrificial and although this fivefold description would be a very beneficial study it's not here where i wish to devote our time to this morning but i wish to rather consider the actual sacrificial service of this man for it's here within his practical service where I feel there is some very helpful and encouraging lessons for us to be learnt and applied to our own Christian lives that will help you and I to serve Jesus Christ more sacrificially, faithfully and effectively. And I wish to consider this example before us under three headings. These headings being the character of the service, the challenge within serving and the commitments to serving. So firstly, let's consider the character of the service. Read with me, if you would, verse 25, which says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you a paratis, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, he that ministered to my wants, We see before us that the Apostle Paul is going to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. In fact what most believe is that it was this man who was responsible in bringing this epistle back to the believers. He was the postman or the courier of this letter that we now possess in our New Testament. But the question is why was Epaphroditus in Rome why was he with the imprisoned apostle at this time? And what was he doing there? The last phrase of verse 25 says, But your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Paphroditus is described as a messenger. The Greek word here is apostolos, where we get our English word apostle. Apostle. But as it's used in this sense here, it's not calling Epaphroditus an apostle in the technical sense, like the Apostle Paul. But rather, it is simply calling him a messenger of the church. He was sent forth or commissioned by the church to perform a specific task. The specific assignment that he was given was to minister to the imprisoned apostle. This word ministry we have here has a very broad range of meanings and applications. It was used in the New Testament times to speak of a public official. The official would diligently perform his duties and he would pay for this at his own expense. Perhaps this explains Epaphroditus. He undertook his mission diligently and he paid for it from his own pocket. This word minister was also used in the sacrificial system. It was used to speak of a priest's duties on behalf of the people. And maybe this is also appropriate. As the priest represented the people, so Epaphroditus represented the saints at Philippi. Now, although these decisions may shed some light on what Epaphroditus was doing, I think the best way to interpret this verse before us Is in the most general sense. He was sent to meet the needs of Paul, to serve and to help him in whatever way he could. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, sheds some light on this. So please turn over, if you would, a couple of pages to Philippians chapter 4, and we'll read verse 18. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 says, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odour of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So within this verse, we are informed that Epaphroditus was the deliverer of an offering that had been taken up by the saints at Philippi. And this was taken up in order to help the Apostle Paul. And in order to understand the purpose of offering, you and I must remember that in a Roman society, prisoners were not cared for by the state like they are today. Today, a prisoner is in jail and the state pays for him. But this did not happen at this time that Paul was in prison. But the necessities of life, especially food, had to be supplied by family, friends, and relatives. And this is one of the primary reasons why this offering had to be taken up. It was to provide for the necessities of life while the Apostle could not do this for himself. And it was the task of Epictetus to deliver this offering and to provide whatever personal assistance he could. Now, when we consider this, I don't want us to miss the courage and commitment of this man in undertaking this task and the potential danger that he would endure because it's very easy to miss this. We must understand that the journey to Rome from Philippi was a very long journey. Depending on whether you sailed or went by land, it was at least 1,300 kilometres. And this is quite a trip considering they don't have aeroplanes, they don't have motor vehicles like we do. And then when you throw into the equation that this man would be carrying a large sum of money, he was carrying the offering that was taken up, plus his own money to pay for the trip, he was also a sitting duck for thieves. And his courage is further highlighted by the fact that although Paul enjoyed a lot of freedom as far as prisoners go, This could change overnight if Caesar decided that Paul was now a threat. And this would immediately place everyone in danger that associated with Paul, particularly those who were staying in the very house that he was locked up in, which was this man, Epaphroditus. So this decision to undertake this journey and to minister to the apostle is a striking practical example ...of what it looks like to serve selflessly, courageously and sacrificially. But what it is I wish to draw your particular attention to... ...is the type, the type of service that Epaphroditus offered. Notice that he didn't go to preach and teach. He didn't go to evangelise. He didn't go to be a missionary. Nor did he go to hold gospel preaching meetings... He didn't do any of these things, but rather he went to meet the needs of another. He went and served in a practical way, a way that many would think to be insignificant. But this, my friend, could not be further from the truth. Now, there are so many ways to serve Christ, so many varying ways to be involved in the local church. One does not have to be a pastor or a deacon or a preacher or a ministry director in order to serve Christ effectively and faithfully and my friend there are countless other practical ways that we can serve Christ just like Epaphroditus and these practical ways are in no way inferior to any other means of serving Christ now, helping in practical ways particularly within the church is of vital importance For without these practical ministries, no ministry would run. Mowing, cleaning, cooking, maintenance, the creche ministry, serving in all of these practical ways, these are all valid ways to serve our Saviour. They are in no way inferior to any other spiritual gift. And if someone tells you that they are, tell them to read their Bible. Because did you realise that helping in practical ways is actually a spiritual gift? Did you know that? In fact, it's probably the most common spiritual gift in the church and yet probably wanted the least and neglected the most. But it is a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12.28 and Romans 12.7, where it's translated as minister, lists it. And it, like all spiritual gifts, is needed within a local body. And the text before us reveals that Epaphroditus ministered in very practical ways. He exercised this spiritual gift of helps. And this morning I wish to encourage all those who minister within this local assembly with the gift of helps. I want to encourage you to keep up the good work. Those who are involved in the setup and pack up, cleaning, mowing, the supplying of food, the crash ministry. But for those who do other things behind the scene that no one else knows about, you play a very important part in this church. It can't happen without you. And may we be very careful to never underestimate the importance of healthy practical ways and remember that it's is in no way inferior to any other spiritual gift. And not everyone is called and gifted to be a preacher or teacher or someone who leads, and that is okay. But some are gifted to help in practical ways, and that, my friend, is a great gift. And may we never think that we are too superior to help in practical ways or put someone down because this is the way that they serve. A church cannot run without the saints exercising the gift of practical helps. So we've seen the character of the serving. Secondly, let's consider the challenges while serving. And this is found in verse 27. Verse 27 says, For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. The topic of God and suffering is one that often evokes much conversation, both for believers and unbelievers, isn't it? Now, We as human beings often wrestle with this particular topic. Unbelievers thinking that they have their crowning argument to prove that God cannot exist. We as believers often struggle to understand how our God could allow certain things to happen. But what we as believers must realize is that nowhere in the Word of God does God promise that our life will be free from suffering. In fact, the opposite is promised. That even those who serve Christ faithfully are not immune from trials and suffering. And this is seen very clearly in the text before us. The man of Epaphroditus has sacrificed much in order to make this long journey to Rome, in order to help the apostle at this time. Clearly, this man was serving Jesus Christ. In our modern vernacular, we would say, he is doing God's will. He's in the center of God's will. And yet this man is struck down with serious illness. We're not given many details as to what this particular illness was. The only clue is found in verse 30, which tends to hint to a fatigue-related illness. But despite the particulars being minimal, we know that this was a very serious illness. This was not just the typical cold and flu or the latest bug sweeping through Rome, but this illness had Epaphroditus knocking on death's door. In fact, the way that the Greek sentence is structured in verse 27 tells us that if God did not intervene, Epaphroditus would have died. This is a very serious illness. Before I come back to this, consider with me for a moment the healing of Epaphroditus. The Apostle Paul accredits this healing to the mercy of God. Mercy speaking of an undeserved kindness. And of course, this healing of a life-threatening disease is mercy because every human being deserves death because we are all sinners. So God, in sparing this man, shows him mercy physically. But God also shows mercy to the Apostle Paul. He spared this man, we see it the last phrase of verse 27, so that Paul would not have more personal grief. So God shows mercy on two fronts and in light of this healing i wish to draw your attention to two things number 1 isn't it very interesting that the apostle paul did not use the gift of healing that he possessed as an apostle both here and also in the book of first timothy where paul tells timothy to drink a little wine for his sick tummy he doesn't heal them now these are paul's friends Why is this? Why does not Paul exercise this gift? Well, could this be an indication that the era of the apostolic gifts was nearly over? Would that not be a logical answer? And I'll leave that with you. You can think about that a little more. The second thing that I wish um, to point out to you is that within this healing we get a glimpse of the loving care and compassion of our god and that our god looked down and had compassion on these two men beloved we do not serve an impersonal god but a god who loves us and cares for us and i don't know about you but that's a very comforting thought to know that the heart of our god is filled with mercy with loving kindness and pity now we could go to scripture after scripture that teaches these attributes of God. The fact that he cares and has compassion upon me and upon you, particularly when we are suffering. But it's not so much the healing that I wish to focus on, but rather the fact that this man of God got saved. The fact that he faced death while serving God. He faced Challenges. Despite Epaphroditus sacrificially serving, he was not immune from suffering. In fact, he nearly died. And this teaches us that we will all suffer. We will face trials when we strive to serve Christ. My friend, we must understand this, that serving Jesus is not an easy road. We will face difficulties. We do not possess some sort of immunity from suffering just because we are living for Christ. The challenges we face when we strive to serve our Saviour will vary from individual to individual, but nevertheless they will be a reality. We must not live in this daydream land that thinks if we are serving Christ faithfully then life will be easy, that we will live a life free from suffering because that is not true. That's a lie straight from the pell. when we serve, we will no doubt face challenges. So' seen the character of the serving, the challenges of the serving. And thirdly, let's consider the commitment to serving. Read with me verse 30. It says, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. We live in a society today where commitment to things that matter is a dying quality, don't we? Sure, commitment is still there. Just look at the fact the. How oh, i get my words right. Just look at the packed sporting arenas. It can be pouring rain and there's still tens of thousands of people there. But commitment to where it matters is often lacking. Look at the divorce statistics within our country. In many cases showing a lack of commitment. Employment statistics show that we are changing jobs like never before, often revealing a lack of commitment. A contract is no longer worth the paper that it's written on. If you follow sports, this happens all the time, doesn't it? A player signs a contract and then three days' time he changes his mind, backs out of the contract and that is acceptable. We live in a time that lacks commitment. And unfortunately, how often and how easily this attitude of lacking commitment also infiltrates our attitudes in serving Christ. Allow me at this time to ask you a question, a very direct question. How would you describe your commitment to Christ? Think about that. Be honest with yourself. How committed are you? Having answered that question in our minds, let's consider the example before us. See how we compare We're told in verse 30 that for the work of Christ, Epaphroditus was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. Did you see the first phrase here, how his ministry is described? It's called the work of Christ. His serving in practical ways is still identified as work for Christ. And this reiterates and stresses what we discussed in the first point. That one does not have to preach or teach in order to serve Christ, nor is preaching or teaching superior in any way. But when we serve Christ in these practical ways, it is still the work of Christ. But it is the commitment that I want to draw your attention to that's described before us. It says here, because of his faithful service, he was nigh unto death. He risked his own life or pushed himself so hard almost to the point of death. He expended himself completely for the cause of Christ. He did not regard his life, but he was willing to give up everything for the cause of Christ. The phrase that we find here, not regarding his life, in the Greek language is actually a gambling term. And it speaks of risking everything on the roll of the dice. In our modern gambling vernacular, not that I'm an expert, of course, but this speaks of being all in. If you know anything about poker, you push all of your chips in. And the imagery, Epaphroditus was all in for Jesus. He was willing to risk everything, to forsake everything for the cause of Christ. No matter what the potential cost may be, he was completely committed. Now, we must understand that this text is not calling us to deliberately be involved in activities that place our lives in danger. Don't go and preach on power lines or anything silly like that. Nor is it saying that we are inferior believers if we do not push ourselves to the point of physical death each and every day. This is not what it means. But rather this striking example before us turns the spotlight upon our hearts and it forces us to ask, how committed am I to Christ? Do we possess a commitment to serve Christ? What are we willing to forsake or give up for the cause of Christ? Consider your life. Consider your service for Christ. How committed are you? What are you doing with the life that has been given to you by God as a gracious gift? What are you doing with the life that has been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ? What are you doing with your life that you will have to give an account for before your Lord and Savior? Are you using your life to serve Him? Have you yielded your life to Him? Are you all in for Christ? Or are you half-hearted? Or perhaps even worse the old hymn writer said I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou done for me Christ gave of his all for you, he laid down his life for you what are you willing to give for him, are you all in for Christ, amen, let us pray Oh, Lord, I thank you for this example of Epaphroditus before us. No doubt, Lord, if we are all honest, Lord, we would do well to model ourselves upon this example. Lord, please forgive us for when we are not as committed to Christ as we ought to be. Please give us the grace to change this with lives. I ask this in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen.